Good day, my friend. You're at the right place at the right time, and you're about to hear the word of God that God has shared with us during our service time at Truth Gathers Dream Center Church. So I pray that we have your attention for the next few minutes as this word of God comes forth. I pray that it be a blessing to your life and to your journey. Second Chronicles 5 verse 14 says, I'm just going to the end part and I'll help you understand where we're going. I'm just reading it. So that the priest, I'm jumping in the middle of a story. I'll help you in a second. So that the priest could not stand to minister by reason of the cloud. They wanted to. Tell your neighbor they tried. They was ready. They were prepared. But they could not minister by reason. Hosha. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I feel the cloud coming up in here. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I feel a cloud coming on us in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. 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 Ooh, I heard it hurt something in the Holy Ghost. And that cloud, even from Old Testament, represents he'll lead you into new places. He led them by a pillar of fire by night, but also by a cloud. The cloud, cloud by day, but the cloud represents he'll lead you into new places, new days and new seasons. So when the cloud comes, it means he's taking us somewhere. Tap your neighbor. I ain't preaching my text yet, but tap your neighbor and say, when you feel his presence all in the room, know he's getting ready to shift us somewhere. They could not minister by reason of the cloud for the glory of the Lord had filled the house of God. I'm going to come back to Second Chronicles to tackle this part of scripture, but I want to preach the, the next step from what God gave us on last week. Last week we preached, it's your time. Tell your neighbor, say, it's your time. It's your time last week. But this week, and bless God for the word last week, I uh, thought I was going to teach. And I don't know if I got scared and just decided to get back in the pulpit after it's been on the floor. I was calling myself teaching from the floor. And, and y'all anointing. See, people don't recognize an anointed service is twofold, or at least two dimensional. We think it's only about the person with the mic. But the, what we receive in this atmosphere is not just about the poorer, but it's also about the puller. And, and see, you get into a church service where you only got a poorer, you only got a one-dimensional kind of thing happening. But if I pour and you pull, they pour and you pull, we'll get somewhere that you couldn't even imagine. Come on, somebody. We think it's about the person with the mic, and that's only part of it. But those in the audience can shift the atmosphere as well. And we preached last week, it's your time this week I want to preach it's our time tell your neighbor say it's our time yeah it's our time it's our time see I want you to know that God's not finished his hand is still on us his mercy is being renewed for us and there is an open door got to say it prophet Gia an open door that awaits but in order to make a bridge from last week's message, it's your time, to this week's message, it's our time, it is necessary for me to first tell you that you must own your season. 
go to Luke 4 chapter let me show you why it's important for you to own your season we got to make a bridge to our season our time but there is no our without your Oh, there's no I without your. In other words, I'm trying to tell you, I can't afford for you not to have your season. Tell your neighbor, I need you to give birth in this season. I need you to go higher in this season. I need you to come forth in this season because we can't have our until you have yours. Oh, we got to have yours. I got to first encourage you to get to our season. I got to encourage you to own your season. Listen to this in Luke the fourth chapter, starting at verse 14. It says, and Jesus returned in the power of the spirit into Galilee. And there went out a fame of him throughout all region round about. And, and he taught in their synagogues being glorified of all. And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up his neighborhood and as his custom was he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read he grabbed the Bible grabbed the Torah the Old Testament and went to read and there was delivered unto him the book of as Isaiah Isaiah, Isaiah and when he opened the book he found the place where it was written so they gave him the book of Isaiah but he went to a specific place in the book of Isaiah where it was written the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted to preach deliverance to the captives and the recovering of sight to the blind to set at liberty them that are bruised and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Jesus walks in after going through 40 days of fasting in the wilderness, after being tempted of the devil, after having standing on the word of God, after being being able to go through the test and come out. He goes in the synagogue, grabs the book of Isaiah and he makes an announcement. He basically says, what you've been reading about is me and I'm here today to announce myself that I am anointed. See, you can't move into your next season until you start owning what God is doing in you as long as you're looking around in the sky and, and not owning what God has called you to do and what God has called you to be you can never go into your season but Jesus walks in the temple in the synagogue grabs the word of God and say you've been reading about me I'm anointed tell somebody I'm anointed somebody say I'm gifted Tell somebody, say, I'm called. Say, I'm favored. See, we got to get you to start owning who you really are. You got to start trying to make yourself fit in with people that never gonna like you anyway. You got to start trying to make yourself be liked by people who ain't gonna never like you anyway. When you gonna start owning your DNA, owning your gift, owning your grace, Jesus walks in and basically says, I am he. I am he. He owns his anointing and the challenge of this thing is he's in his own old neighborhood. <laughs> he walks in and says the anointing is on me. I want you to know I'm anointed. See we think it's humility to act like we don't know what God is doing. That's not humility. Matter of fact, it's false humility. Humility is when you know who you are but you still can clean a bathroom. 
you know who you are but you still can bump a floor you know who you are but you can still ride into Jerusalem on the ass of a donkey you hear what I'm trying to tell you that's what humility is that I know who I am and I can still do whatever God has called me to do but to deny who you really are to act like no I ain't called no people say God bless you you blessed me today no I didn't yes you did you did bless them God did use you to help them out of that situation yes God's gift is on you and nothing begins to change into your life until you come out of this false humility and stop acting like you ain't the one with an anointing and I think we're okay to call things on us because Jesus walked into the temple and Jesus says I want you to know what you've been written right what you've been reading about has come to pass I had to go through some things but I'm here now I had to go through a process but I'm here now I had to come through 42 generations but I'm here now I had to go through the womb of many people but I'm here now I'm what I'm trying to tell you you've been processed for this moment right here Jesus announces himself too busy waiting for everybody to recognize who you are that trial should have told you you were strong that foolishness you've been through should have prophesied to you that although you've been bit, you're not going to die. Although the snake has bit you, you're not going to die. Although you have fallen, you're not going to stay there. That trial should have prophesied to you that though they slay me, will I trust him? Your, pro- your process should have prophesied. They tried to break me, but I'm still here. They rejected me, but I'm still here. I cried. No, tell somebody I really cried. I cried, but I'm still here. Your trial ought to prophesy that you are indeed anointed. We don't know that you're anointed when everything is going well, but when you come out of something, when you walk through the pains of life, when you come out of the darkness of trauma, Oh, tell somebody I gotta be anointed. Ain't no way that I made it through that if I wasn't anointed. Ain't no way I overcame that depression. I thought I was gonna lose my mind, but God kept me. Tell somebody I know I'm anointed. Jesus said, this false humility we got, and as long as you faking like you don't have something you do have, there are people who will love for you not to own who you really are. Cause your low estate make them feel good in their insecurities. And I'm sorry, I can't make you feel good in an area you need healing and wholeness. No, you need to let God build up your self-esteem so you can feel good about yourself. Rather than me being less than who I'm called to be so you can feel comfortable in your own skin. No, 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 no. I'm coming out, but you got to get delivered. I'm going higher, but you got to get yourself some help. I refuse to be a small version of myself. I done been through the process. You must own your season. Jesus walked in and said, no, this is my time. There's a difference sometimes in the climate because sometimes people think they know everything about you. When you go back home to your neighborhood People think, oh, I remember when. They say further down in the same verse, 
same chapter, they say to Jesus, is this not Joseph's son? You can read that later in verse 22. They say, is not this Joseph's son? Don't, don't we already know him? How he done got anointed? How he done slipped out of here and now talk about he he's anointed to heal broken hearted who he think he is let me tell you something when you didn't see me I was in the presence of the Lord when you didn't see me I was in Bible study when you didn't see me I was crying on my face when you didn't see me I was somewhere in a conference getting myself built up from the traumas of life when you didn't see me I was somewhere getting empowered by prayer warriors come on sometimes people think they know all of you but you don't know everywhere I've been. You don't know everything God said to me. You don't know my nights getting up in the middle of the night talking to the Lord. You was not there. So while we walk with man and we walk in harmony and love with man, we cannot depend on man for the totality of what God is doing in our lives. Even when we prophesy, we prophesy Come on, somebody, in part. Hear me clearly. I say, even we though we walk with man and we're in alignment with God's people, we understand they're only doing their part. But we've been with the one who's seen the whole thing. Ah, the one who made sense out of nonsense. Come on, somebody. And Jesus announces himself to everybody. And in verse 20, I got to read verse 20. I got to read verse 20. I got to read verse 20 because after he read verse 19, he said to preach the supper year of the Lord. I don't know if y'all can catch this, this swag that Jesus has. I hope you, I don't know if you can catch it in the scripture. He chose the place he wanted to read. He read the verses and stopped at verse 19 or, or the book of Isaiah. He stopped at this last statement to preach the supper year of the Lord in verse 20 and he closed the book. <laughs> now that's swag that I ain't got to read no more scriptures I'm here now the, the prophecy is being fulfilled and he gave it back to the minister and he sat down it's called a mic drop he dropped the mic and said I don't say what I have to say I'm not staying for no votes I'm not waiting for no committee and I'm not looking in your faces to see if you agree God has brought me here God has brought me to this season and this time and it's time for me to announce myself you got to own your season and your time Jesus on his season this time because it confirms the prophecy. In other words, yeah, it's me. <laughs> I made it through it. <laughs> you didn't think I was going to make it through that fall, but I done made it through it. You didn't think I was going to make it through that shortcoming, but I made it through it. Tell your neighbor, I made it through it. It ain't always been easy. Can we testify for two seconds here? It ain't always been easy. I don't intend to make you think that God is doing something in me because everything has been easy. It's been downright hard sometimes. Sometimes it's been very frustrating. Sometimes I've wanted to give up mid-process. Sometimes, I ain't know about you, I'm talking about me. There were some times I did not want to hear no more prophecy. I said, I don't want to hear no prophet. I want to hear nothing. Not all the time, but I said sometime. And it'll be sometime, but I didn't want to hear no more. I was that frustrated, that aggravated. But thanks be to God who brought me through those seasons when I was about to give up. So I don't come in here to make it look like I have never struggled. I'm telling you, I don't come to do it. I don't come here to make you think I ain't never 
had to fall and get back up. I know we like to hear from people who testify from the point of view that they have never fallen, but I'm sorry that is not this pastor's story. I don't plan to fall tomorrow, but if I fall, I thank God that I serve a God that I plan to get back up again. So I don't come here to preach like I ain't never had no scars and had no wounds and had no hills to climb. I don't come to preach to make you think I had no tears to share. It's been downright ugly, but I'm here right now. Tell somebody I'm here right now. God's intent, tell the neighbor, God's intent is coming to pass. Yeah, Joseph said it best to understand coming through the process. Joseph said to his brothers in Genesis, he says, and some of y'all got to get over what other people did to you. Because you cannot have your season, your time dealing with offense. You can't have it. Even if it's over your head, on the table, you can't have it. Because your heart is still caught up in the process that God used to bring you to where you had to go. Joseph says to his brothers who had sold him into slavery, put him in a pit, sold him for a few pieces of silver. He said to his brothers at the end, he looked them in the face and said, but for you, you thought evil against me. But he said, but God, everybody say, but God. But God meant it to good, huh? Wait a minute, you got to read the scripture, huh? How can it be both the devil and God? Sometimes we're giving the devil all the credit, but God said, I allowed the devil to do it because I knew when the devil did that to you, it was shifting you where you needed to be. How can we give the devil all the credit? God said, I let the devil do it because the moment I let him do it, I turned you into a prayer warrior. You didn't think you can fast three days, but the moment you felt like nothing was going to work out, I taught you you can make it. Ah, you thought it was all the devil, but he said, it was both the devil and God. He looked at his brother and said, that you meant it for evil, the devil meant it for evil. He said, but God. But God. So we need to leave Judas alone. Leave Judas alone. Oh, we got too many people preaching about where my Judas is at. Pastors can't even serve because they worry about who gonna backstab them and who gonna be a traitor. Some of y'all can't even walk in peace. Time God bless you with a little piece of something. You scared about who gonna steal it. The Bible said that Jesus sat at the table with Judas and at the moment that Judas betrayed him, he told him something had just entered him. Come on somebody, because if there's no Judas, there's no cross and there's no cross there's no deliverance and if there's no deliverance there's no you and I so what I'm trying to tell you is God let them hurt you God let them walk away from you and God knew it wasn't gonna kill you God knew you was gonna go through your cross God knew you was gonna make it through the pain and God knew you was gonna live again come on somebody stop giving the devil all the credit God was involved in the shakeup. God was involved in the process right there in scripture 
It's right there in scripture. It hurt. But it's right there in scripture. Jesus even said to Peter, Peter, oh Peter, Simon, oh Simon, Satan, listen to this, Satan desires to sift, which means to shake violently, to sift you as we. Let me put up another part of here to give some understanding, but I didn't stop him. That's the understanding. But I didn't stop him. What I did, I just prayed for you. The devil desires you to sift you as we, but I didn't stop him from shaking up things. But Jesus said to people, what I did do, I prayed for you. And all I had to pray was that your faith will fail not. That you wouldn't take this pain as a sign that you weren't going to give birth. That you wouldn't take this pain as a sign that life wasn't better on the other side. All I want you to do is keep the faith. I didn't stop the devil from being the devil. He said, well, what I did, I prayed for you that your faith fell not. And then Jesus has the nerve to prophesy to Simon Peter in that moment. And same moment, he's telling him he's going to be tried and the devil going to try to shake him. He says, but I pray for you that your faith fell not. And then he takes a leap. He takes a leap. He takes a leap. He moves from the moment of prayer and he moves into prophecy. He says, but when... Lord have mercy. This thing getting in my nose. I tell somebody I feel the wind happening. W-H-E-N. He said, but when thou art converted, not if thou going to be converted, not if you're going to make it through. He tells Peter in that same moment after praying for him, he said, but when thou art converted, mean the devil can try all that he wants to do. He can stop the prophecy on your life. He can try. The weapon can be formed, but it won't prosper. He said, but when thou are converted strengthen your brother tell your neighbor so you're gonna make it through this uh-huh yeah you gotta own your season you gotta own your season i need you to have your season tell your neighbor i need you to have your season we can't have our season if you don't have your season you got to have your season come on let's go to second chronicles let me put it together something happens in our atmosphere when you have your season and you have your season and you have your season and you have your season something happens to a people when individuals have their season and then join together so we can have our season. Tell somebody it's our time. This is where I am. Let's go. Listen to this. Listen to this. I'm, I think I'm going to teach a little bit right here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's all the work that Solomon made for the house of the Lord was finished. Solomon brought in all the things. He built the house of the Lord. They built God a temple. Solomon brought in all the things that David, his father, had dedicated. 
the silver and the gold and all the instruments, but he, but he among, put, put, excuse me, put he among the treasures of the house of God. Then Solomon assembled the elders of Israel and all the heads of the tribes, the chief of the fathers of the children of Israel, unto, unto Jerusalem to bring up the ark of the covenant of the Lord out of the city of David, which is Zion. Wherefore also the men of Israel assembled themselves unto the king in the feast, which was in the seventh month. In verse 4, and all the elders of, the, of Israel came and the Levites took up the ark. If we're going to have our season, we must have several layers of leadership several layers I got to teach here because if we're going to come together there's an understanding for a people who can have a season together oh I feel this real good let me work a little bit mm -hmm. uh, we must have I want you to understand several layers of leadership first we see that we got Solomon in verse 1 in verse 2 we have the elders of Israel then we also have the heads of the tribes. Then we have the chiefs of the fathers. Then in verse 3, we have the men of Israel. All right. Then we have the Levites. Already said the elders of Israel. Then we have the, leader, the Levites. We need several layers of leadership if we're going to have our time. We need to honor and respect and organize and structure several layers of leadership in our church God told me about a month or so ago that there is a wave of anointing happening in our church that there's another layer of leadership that is being built you saw it uh, a few months ago when we did testimony time Tuesday those people who are on testimony time Tuesday is representative of another layer of leadership who also knows the word who also can teach and prophesy who also can carry out function and there is a whole nother level of leadership that's going to be strong in this church as well you just think the preachers and the elders are going to be able to carry the word no 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 in this house there's a whole nother level of leadership some of them will be deacons and some of them will just be old bro and old sus but sus know her word and bro know her, his word and he got a prophetic edge and if you come to him with a problem he'll grab your hand and take you to the throne of God. Ah, there's a whole nother level of leadership. Uh -huh. Several layers of leadership we must have if we're going to have our time. That's why we need leadership. We need leadership. We need a leadership. Let's keep going here. Let's keep going. Verse 5. And they brought up the ark and the tabernacle of the congregation and all the holy vessels that were in the tabernacle. These did the priests and the light Levites bring up. Here's my point here. Uh, we must have organization. Everybody say organization. Yeah, we're going to have our time. We must have organization. Organization represents people with assignments, roles, and coordination. They brought the ark to the tabernacle, all the holy vessels to the tabernacle. These, they did, these did the priests and the Levites bring up. It's just representing that we got organization. We got to have an organized environment. You can't have a season. You can't make a run for a championship without people knowing their roles and their responsibilities, without people knowing their powers and their strengths and their grace and their 
their boundaries and their parameters. They need an environment to function, to do what they need to do. And when they are outside or something is beyond their boundary, they know the next level to go to in order to get things done. If you're going to have our time, you gotta have organization. Can't have chaos. We got to know who's the leader over that. Who leads that? Who's responsible for that? Who's responsibility to do that? You see what I'm saying? If we're going to have our time, we gotta have the gift of organization. The truth of the matter, good administration brings the glory of God. Anything, that's why the Bible says, let everything be done decent and in order. There's a way to carry things out to bring God honor. Let's keep going. Verse 6, and also King Solomon and all the congregation of Israel that were assembled unto him before the ark sacrificed sheep and oxen which could not be told nor numbered for multitude. Here it is. If you're going to have our time, we got to have sacrifice. Sacrifice shows you are invested sacrifice shows that you are invested sacrifice is your investment into the portion that you have for the whole there's no way we can come to a place of a season if you're not willing if I'm not willing to understand we're gonna have to sacrifice and our sacrifice is not about equal sacrifice it's not about you doing what I do it's about you doing what you need to do so you can be a part of the whole it's not about looking at me and measuring your sacrifice based on my sacrifice. All of us have different gifts and gifts also comes with measures. Come on, everybody in here got different income levels, different intellect levels, different experience levels, right? We have different measures in certain places, different backgrounds. So it's not about doing the same thing that somebody else is doing. That is great news because now it gets you out of being and giving an excuse for not giving what you can do. And in other words, God is not calling you to do what he's asked Pastor Joe to do, but God is sure calling you what he's calling you to do. And too many times we do nothing, nothing to sacrifice because we're thinking that God wants us to do something like somebody else. No, God wants you to sacrifice like he wants you to sacrifice. And you got to learn how to find where God is challenging you to sacrifice. And stop trying to measure your sacrifice up to everybody else do what God has called you to do stop looking at your neighbor stop comparing yourself to everybody and find out what God wants you to do sacrifice yeah there's no way we're going to get there without sacrifice uh huh. verse 10 let's go to verse 10 and there was nothing in the ark save two tables so they're carrying the ark the Levites and the priests. There's nothing in the ark save two tables, two tablets, which Moses put therein at Horeb. When the Lord made a covenant with the children of Israel when they came out of Egypt. What is this? What is this? The way you're going to get to our time is you got to remember what the Lord said. Moses put inside the ark of the covenant tablets where God made a covenant with them. And there are times while you're getting ready for your season, you got to remember what God said. And what the devil has always fought God's people with, when you study the Old Testament all the way to the New Testament, he always 
tested them with their ability to remember when you read the Old Testament it always says and they forgot the Lord their God and they forgot his ways and what we suffer with is memory loss we get cloudy it ain't that we're intelligent let me get it clear it's not that we are unintelligent it means we have put something else before us and now what God has said to us is not at our forefront but in the subconscious of our minds and if you're gonna make it to your destiny what God has called you to do you got to put the prophecy on the forefront that's why people who are really good about walking in destiny put that thing on a mirror in their house when they go into the vanity their vanity in their bedroom some of y'all just that way you can't even see yourself in your mirror because you got about 10 scriptures on it you got a picture of your dream car and your dream house come on you got it on your refrigerator come on you got it hanging from, from the rearview mirror of your car see some of us don't understand we get so discouraged we get so distracted because we do not put the word of the Lord in front of us we don't keep the Lord what God said to us before us and what they are doing here is they're carrying the word of the Lord with them everywhere they go I don't care if they go through a drought they still got the word of the Lord I don't care if they go through the bitter waters they still have the ark of the covenant and inside the ark of the covenant are these two tablets that says we coming out of this Oh no, you're gonna have to remember and rehearse. Here it is, it's, what it, it's called rehearse the promises of the Lord. It's also the same principle that the woman with the issue of blood used when she was headed towards Jesus to touch the hem of his garment. The woman said to herself, it's rehearsing what she's been believing for all along. She said to herself, if I may but touch the hem of his garment, I will be made whole. If I may but touch the hem of his garment, I will be made whole. Our problem is we wake up and we stop confessing what God told you you was going to be. If I can just make it through this, I will be a millionaire. If I can just make it through this, I will be death three. Our problem is we forget the word of the Lord. Verse 11, if we're going to have our time, it says verse 11, and it came to pass when the priests will come out of the holy place for all the priests that were present were sanctified and did not then wait by course. All right, what it means, all the priests normally had a, a time or a season or a rotation. He said, but for this, all of them had to be sanctified. And if you know in the New Testament, we all have been made priests and kings and what the truth of the matter is there's certain things you got to understand when moving along with God everything can go I know some of us like to take everything and you don't know how bad you hold on to stuff until it's time to move see when you're sitting still what you're holding on to don't bother you as much but when you don't call the mover trucks and they tell you how much is going to be per box and how much is going to take for them to load everything up and and to put it on the truck 
And when I say, you see, some of y'all don't put all that. You ain't want to throw away this. You want to throw away that. Then they give you the cost. You be talking about, well, you just put it on the truck. I'll, I'll take it off myself. Because <laughs> you don't want to let go of nothing. And then you spend three days getting stuff off the truck. Now they charge you for keeping the truck on your lot. See, it costs you to hold on to things that you got to learn to let go. What I'm trying to tell you is what God is taking us, everything can go. You got to sanctify yourself. You got to cleanse yourself. Certain things got to go. And there are certain things, here it is, here it is. When you're really mature, letting go is not all just about sin. There are things that are just expired. There are things that was good two years ago and it's not good anymore. It's not the fact that it's a sin, but because it's outdated, it has become a weight. It's going to hold you back. It's going to slow you down. It's going to cost more for you to keep it. I know what I'm talking about. I had me a beautiful car, a beautiful ride. I had a beautiful X5 BMW. It was sweet. I had some wonderful rims on it. Low profile tires on it black tenant windows tan seats just like I liked it I loved my BMW but my god when that bill of expense and, and keeping them tires and, and it didn't it have one issue and another issue and then it had another issue and I paid for that it had another issue and I paid for that and I start looking at how much it was costing me to keep it now everybody was saying pastor joe what happened to your bmw i got rid of it that's what because it, it cost me too much and there are certain times there are things costing you the next season <laughs> costing you the next shift but you so in love what used to be that thing cost me too much money I drove it over to the local GMC, squeaking, squeaking, it was squeaking. I sat down in the man chair and said, I'm getting me a car. They was trying to work a deal that day. I said, I'm patient. I'm patient. I'll, I'll get my wife to come pick me up. They was like, well, we want to want to put you home, go home and drive this. I know that I don't even want that car. So I ain't even going to make it make you think I'm going to buy it. I'm a, I'm a tough negotiator, y'all. I'm a tough. So all the car sells now. You're going to have to do something else. But anyway, you keep doing your job. I'm saying I'm just I just like, no, I don't want to drive that. But just, just y'all work out something. And then I'm kind of tough. And I told him now, when you go talk to that man, you know, you got three people you got to talk to before you know the deal and the number is right. You know, I'm kind of tough. You know, I said, don't keep coming, going back and forth. The next time you go and come back, I'm gonna be gone. So the next time you go back to that man in the back, you make sure you get the best number you can get. Don't come back here, brother. Don't come back here, sister, unless that number good. Because you come back here, it ain't good. I'm gone now. All right, I know what you really can give it for me for. I did my research before I came. Want me to show you what I did? You know, I know you got to, I know you got to get a profit, but you ain't building no mega house off of me today. I know you got to feed your children, and I understand that. You're going to do that, but you ain't going to Rio and Honolulu off of this, off of, off of this sale. Not off of this sale. I'm a tough negotiator. I drove that GM, that BMW, it was squeaking, and I sat there in there, and I said, yeah, y'all got a BMW on the lot. He said, no, sir, we don't have a BMW. I said, yes, you do. He said, yes, I said, look out that window. 
He said, that's a customer's car. I said, no, that's yours. I said, no, that's your car. Because I'm leaving that thing here and I'm going to get me something else. What I'm trying to tell you, you got to be willing to let go stuff. And I understand I'm a friendly person. I'm a loyal person. But you got to evaluate even friendships and relationships, connections and mergers. And when it just ain't working out, it don't have to be always that it have to be a great fallout. Sometimes the fallout is because you waited too late to cut it off when God was showing you all along it was a new season. And sometimes it ain't about just cutting off. Let me teach this. It ain't just about cutting off. Certain things are also about just sometimes giving more distance. It's not the fact that everything necessarily need to be cut off. That's a part. But sometimes certain things and people don't need to be as close to you as they was in previous seasons. You have went through changes. What makes the body work well is that the right parts are connected to the next part. You don't understand what I'm trying to say. The reason my body is in harmony is because my neck fits on my collarbone. But the day I try to put my neck at the on my knee where my patella is right here on that tendon I'm going to have a problem because although the neck is ordained for the body it still has a certain place it needs to be connected to and what I'm trying to tell you it is not all about cutting everything off sometimes you need a little distance sometimes you don't need to be talking to that same person eight times a day you need some distance and some of us got to learn that for the season that we're in that God will sanctify us and get us ready for where we're trying to go let's go to verse 12 come on we're moving that's sanctification we're going to have our time everything can't go just can't hold on to everything you can't get married and still have your boo from high school Well, you can, but that don't mean you're going to help your... You can do it, you know, since you've been doing it. You can do it. But you shouldn't do it. Come on, because now you you merging old and new, and it don't work. The Bible says you cannot pour new wine in old wineskins. Come on now. Come on, you got to purge yourself from your first love. Come on, it was your first love. Get over it. Get over it. It was my first love. I don't care no more. Get over it. It was my first love. And then you mess around telling your, your spouse, I ain't going to never love nobody like I love my first love. Who going to sit there and put up with that kind of stuff? People stuck in old seasons trying to bring new seasons forth. No, you got to let her go. You got to let him go. Let that stuff go. It was okay when you was 22. And you stayed out sometime with your boys and your friends. And you was hanging out and y'all went to the pool, pool hall and you chilled and that kind of stuff. But now you grown with a beard and gray hair. You got to come home, my brother. You got to come home. You got to come home. There's somebody want to hug you. There's somebody want you to rock them on their lap. You're not a young gent no more. Let it go. It didn't happen when you were 20 or 50 now. Y'all ain't saying nothing. 
Let it go, bro. You was a running back when you was in high school. You're 50 now. It happened. It was real. It happened. You got pictures to show it, but you're 50 now. No, I'm serious. Sometimes you're not careful. You will fall in love with the old like God can't do something new. You will fall in love with the old. And all you is, is a frame on the wall. All you is, is pictures of what you used to do. And God's trying to do a new thing in you. And there are things you got to know how to let go. I don't know why I'm still there, but I'm trying to help somebody who has who become an idolatrous relationship with your past. You come into an idolatrous, you actually hugging it and sleeping it and nursing it. And that thing can't ever die because you keep breathing life into that thing. Every time that thing is about to go away, here you go, bringing up your past again, giving it life, giving it virtue putting it on a skirt, putting it on some pants, uh, giving it life, feeding it, and now it's sitting at your table telling you what to do and where to go. Let it go, and I'm going to say this one too. Let him go too. Now that was for somebody. I felt that in the Holy Ghost. I felt that one in the Holy Ghost. Everything can go. Everything can't go. I got one more point here, I think. The Holy Ghost Spirit. Even in an organizational structure, sometimes you just outgrow what you used to be. It happens in churches all the time. The choir was the jam in 1980. The choir was the jam in 1980. When the members were 25, 30, even 40, but now they 62, 72, and 80, and it's not they can't sing anymore. They can sing and they can be the special choir on certain days. I know we don't like to change stuff, so y'all get caught up into that. They got to change stuff, but where are the young people? Where are the people who are refreshed? Where are the people who can hold a note longer than five seconds? Come on, somebody. Where are they? Come on. But we're keeping our old season in front like it's still relevant. The church is good for that one. Church is good for that one. We let go stuff too late. By the time the pastor retire, said to see, by the time the time the pastor retire, he's so old and feeble, they have a appreciation service to him, and unfortunately he don't know what they're saying. No, I'm serious. What the, who, who, this is for you. He don't have an idea. She don't have an idea because we waited too late to celebrate him. We should have celebrated him where he could hear it. We should have celebrated him. See, this is about seasons. It's about time. I'm trying to teach. I'm trying to teach. It happens in the church all the time. Moses was about to do the same thing. God had multiplied the people under Moses' leadership. But Moses was keeping the old paradigm. Jethro saw what Moses was doing. His father-in-law, what Moses was doing, was Moses was handling all the problems of the people. And what happened was, everybody was upset with Moses. He increased his complaints because of his process. It wasn't his heart. 
it was his process. His heart was to serve the people. But here he is trying to serve the people and you got one lady who come up in here and she's going to explain her situation and she's going to take you back for a few years before she moved forward and by the time she finished and Moses give a verdict on what's going on with her, the sun done went down, it's time for supper. And the people upset that they've been coming back into the line and one day you was number five and the day you number three and you still ain't got the Moses yet. Jethro said, this is not good. Number one, you're going to wear yourself out. But number two, the people going to get tired of a process that never moves them forward. They're going to get tired of an administration that don't understand how to accelerate, don't know how to understand how to shift. And he said, Moses, you got to move out of the old season. You have outgrown it. So sometimes change ain't just because something negative happened. It's because something good happened. He says, Moses, you can't keep doing this. And he changed, he put people in order and he set up levels of leadership. Tell somebody we can, everything can't go. Come on, verse 12, I'm right there. Also the Levites, which were singers, all of them of Asaph, of Heman, of Jeduthun, with their sons and their brethren being arrayed in white linen, having cymbals and psalteries and harps, stood at the east end of the altar with them and with them and 120 priests sounding with trumpets. Here it is. We have our time. We must follow instructions and obey. We know you're gifted, but can you work with people? We know you called. But can you work along with others? Somebody had to go to the east side of the altar. Can you be where you are supposed to be? Or do you want to change your assignment when it ain't been given to you? No. One of the ways of showing that you are able to move to a new season is your ability to work with others. See, we shout it over, it's our time. Or it's your time. But it's our time going to require some chemistry. Too long. Too many can't get along with people. Hadn't learned how to prefer one another. Hadn't learned how to let other people win arguments sometimes. Just let them win. I mean, nobody getting a trophy over this. It ain't, especially ain't nothing major. Let them win. You got it. <laughs> You got, especially when it ain't that major. You know, I mean, certain things you got to really fight for, but sometimes you be upset over something that ain't really mean nothing. Let them win. Matter of fact, when they start pulling, you ain't got to pull so hard. You got this one. You got the no, You got to pull. See, that's how it is. You know how I don't tug a rope when somebody pulling, somebody pulling. You just let go of the rope. And they fall down and you pull it up. <laughs> you know, y'all know about that. What I'm trying to say, stop struggling all the time with everybody. Stop fussing all the time. Some of us spend too much time arguing over nothing, arguing over little stuff, always upset. Every time we see you, you're frustrated because you hadn't learned how to work with people. You hadn't learned how to honor other people. You hadn't learned chemistry. Chemistry is the science of honoring who's there. You got to learn chemistry. So following instructions is the last point that we need for our time. Tell somebody to say God's glory. God's glory. Here it is. Here it is. Verse 13 and 14. This is what we need to have our time. We need God's glory. We say we need God's glory. Here it is. And it came. And it came even to pass. As the trumpeters and the singers were as one. To make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. 
when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and the cymbals and the instruments of music and praised the Lord saying for he is good this is what we're singing this is what we're singing we're singing for he is good for his mercy endureth forever that's what we're singing we're not singing hallelujah salvation and glory honor and power that's good too but that's not what we're singing right now all right for he is good for his mercy endureth forever that then the house was filled with a cloud even the house of the lord i want you to understand as the trumpet and the singers did their part as everybody was in their place, as, as everybody understood their assignment, as leadership carried out their assignments, the cloud of the Lord came in the room. He came in the room because the people were as one. The people were together. Verse 14, so that the priest could not minister. The priest was trying to minister. The priest was trying to do what God has called him to do by reason of the cloud for the glory of the Lord had filled the house of God. Here it is. This is my final point about God's glory. God is trying to move us from just the anointing to the glory realm. The anointing is what we need to work and do the assignment of God. We tell somebody we need the anointing. The anointing is the power of the ox. It's the power to plow. It's the power to work. It's the enablement to do God's work. We need the anointing. But something happens in the spirit realm when anointed people comes together. It's no longer anointing. Glory comes. This is what God is trying to bring us into so we can move into our time. It's a corporate manifestation of people who work together, families who work together, businesses who work together. Come on, come on. Time out for family reunions where we ain't talking to each other no more. Somebody got to be mature to say we got to sit down, we got to handle this and come on, take some time, think about it, prepare yourself because when we go down to Myrtle Beach this year, we're going to have a talk this year. So, all right, it's January. Get yourself together because when July 4th come and we all go to Myrtle Beach, we know what we're going to do. We got to have a conversation, all right? So, you got time to get yourself together. If you need a couple of counseling sessions to help you process the trauma, that's good too. Get yourself prepared for the moment, all right? Come on, that's good. Come on, because we're about to learn how to walk in unity. I'm telling you what's happening now. God is not just looking for people who know how to walk in their own anointing. God is looking for people who can walk with others. God is looking for partnerships. God is looking for collaborations. God is looking for networks and mergers. And God is looking for a people who can work together. God is looking for families who can work together. And there's a different type of grace that happens when unity hits the room. When you start liking me and I start liking you. When you start flowing with me and I start flowing with you. There's a whole nother the realm that starts to happen in our midst and it's called the glory realm yeah see the anointing enables you that's what the anointing does it enables you but the glory disables you oh it's right there in the scripture it means you work together into an anointing until God don't need your work no more. 
God takes up your sacrifice. God takes up your work and the glory comes in and now God does the work. It's a transfer of who's doing the work. In the anointing is God's power on you to do the work. But in the glory realm, God disables you and now he's at work. And I'm telling you, there's much more we can get done when the glory comes. There's much more a church can get done when we have unity and the glory realm comes into our presence. The Bible says it like this. Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. The next verse says it is like precious ointment. See, there's something about unity that attracts another realm of God. And when we come together with our gifts and our talents and we begin to work together, there's something greater happens. Here's another verse. Acts 2, verse 1. It says that when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place and suddenly. One accord, one place, and suddenly I'm telling you what God is trying to get us together as a church see see that's why I don't believe in shouting over what we need to conversate about neither do I believe on preaching on people versus meeting with them personally We're never going to have glory and we can't handle unity. We're never going to see the realm of the favor of God and we can't handle the things we must do together. Come on, somebody. Come on, I remember something. I ain't going to mess with it, Lord. I ain't going to mess with it. I ain't going to mess with it. Thank you. I ain't going to mess with it. Hallelujah. To tell your neighbor, do you know what time it is? It's time to move into the glory realm. Thank you again, my friend, for listening to our radio broadcast of Truth Gathers Dream Center Church. The word of God is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And every time we hear his word, we're able to grow thereby. My friend, I also want to invite you to our service. Maybe you have a free Sunday coming up real soon. We'd love to see you at 1317 High Road here in Tallahassee. Truth gathers dreams in a church. God bless you until the next time right here on Wave 94.